The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Is your organization a talent magnet? Is your culture the envy of the business market? Top organizations need top leaders. Make sure that you are that leader. This show will ensure that you are. Welcome to I Lead, the Leadership Connection with Dr. Linda Sharkey. Leaders today are more than just results. They are about creating legacies of great people, driving winning organizations, and raising the bar for themselves and that of their teams. Now, here is your host, Dr. Linda Sharkey. Welcome to I Lead the Leadership Connection. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and I'm very excited to have so many of you listening to my shows over the couple of years that we've been doing this. And uh, you probably all know I was recently in Dubai and uh, had the great opportunity to be the opening keynote for the Ashram Conference, the Arabian Society for Human Resource Management. And as I do in many of these circumstances, uh, I talked about, you know, the changing world of work and all of the things that are going to be impacting the 21st century. And I juxtaposed that with what's going on and what has gone on in the 20th century and things that are testing our paradigms of what we used to believe that may or may not live as well or be supported as well in the 21st century. And it does seem like everything's being turned on end. Uh, you know, I have to laugh. Um, even in Dubai, people ask me, well, tell me about your American elections. And could Donald Trump really make it as president? And I have to say, that is another example of how the world is just being turned on end. So stay tuned. We'll see what we'll see what happens to all of that. So while I was in Dubai, I had the extreme pleasure of meeting Sir Clive Woodward. And he spoke uh, at the conference, and I was so impressed with the things that he had to say, aside from the fact that he's had this wonderful, wonderful, and has this wonderful career. Um, he was England's 2003 Rugby World Cup winner. Uh, he was the coach of the team and he was the team's Great Britain, London, 2012. Uh, he won the Olympic games. Uh, his team did, um, from there and all his experience in coaching, um, he, he, uh, joined the leadership team at the British Olympic Association. He was director of sports for the team Great Britain, where he worked with all the key stakeholders in British sports to support our, their athletes and coaches all around the world, Beijing, Vancouver, etc. And by all accounts, an extra, a renowned coach, I'm sure many of you know uh, who he is. And then he went on to do many other very exciting things, um, He's, uh, you know, developed what, what he did, which was so intriguing, and that's what we're going to talk about, is he took his lessons 
from coaching rugby, rugby players and from sports and applied them to uh, business. And now coaches, executives, uh, business teams all over the world and, and has a what I thought was a really wonderful framework, which we're going to be talking about, to capture a person's learnings. And he talks about, you know, the three th- C's of uh, of developing somebody, character, criteria, and coaching. And it was, it was just a great and uh, insightful presentation. So with that, I'd like to welcome Sir Clive Woodward. Thanks, Clive, so much for joining the show today. Thanks, Linda. Nice to hear you. I haven't signed you up for my age, and that was an amazing introduction, so thank you very much. <laughs> well, I'm so excited to have you with me, and I've got to tell you, I'm very jealous that you were in, uh, in Switzerland skiing this morning. That's where I need to be. I need to get out on the slopes. I haven't been skiing uh, at all this year. How was the snow? Yeah, I was actually, I was actually uh, in, I was, I was flying from Geneva, but we were skiing in France, a place called, a place called Teen, T-I-G-N-E-S, which is an amazing place. And the snow oh, was yeah. just incredible. It's probably the best we've ever seen it there. So, unfortunately, I've got to come really? back to a very, very, very big rugby game coming up in the UK. I've got to get back to the commentary on that. So, uh, but the, the snow is fantastic. Yeah, well, I forgot to mention, you are a BBC uh, sports uh, reporter, which is so exciting, too. Yeah, that's uh, one of these days I've got to get over there uh, and ski. So, uh, Clive, one of the things, tell me a little bit about your uh, background. Tell me me your story. Well, background, it's interesting to listen to you speak. I mean, in, in the UK, I'm probably best known for coaching the... England rugby team that, that went on to win the World Cup in 2003, which we'd never done before. And the rugby union's a, a big game in, in this part of the world. It's not that big in the United States, but it's growing, especially with the Olympic Seven. So I, I coached the, the, the rugby team to World Cup success. But before I had that, I had 18 years in business. You know, when I left university, I joined Xerox. I worked for Xerox for eight years, including five in Australia. Uh, and then when I came back, from Australia, I set up my own small leasing and finance company based on the, the really the financial skills I learned whilst I was working with Xerox. I also ran for sort of eight, eight or nine years. And then my sport, rugby union, which was a totally amateur game, you know, against all expectations, suddenly went professional, which means basically you could be paid to coach and play. So, you know, I went from being sort of having 18 years in business to now becoming the first full-time professional coach of the England rugby team, which, you know, went on to... to great success so it was almost the, the opposite of what you actually said it was you know, a lot of what I brought to the sporting world was prevaricated by you know 18 years in in, in business and, in business uh, yeah and that, that was that was the roots to it so I applied a lot of my business knowledge to a sporting team and and you know I was, I was obviously you know, very happy with the all the all the outcomes in my sporting coaching career yeah and then and then you turned around again and then applied what you learned in uh sports to business so it was a nice uh, a, a nice piece uh, you know you said something at the uh, conference which i thought was really fascinating because you probably know that uh, u.s football is starting to use data and starting to put chips in the helmets of um of um you know players so that they can capture all sorts of data about what's going on and they can really see the plays more clearly and it's it, it from what you were showing us, it, it seemed that you did that as well. So, you know, what did that? H- how did that enlighten the game? Well, I think we were one of the first. I mean, there was, there was some there were some pretty sophisticated 
bits of software around, to be honest. And this was back in you know the early 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 two thousands, and I think because yeah. of my again because of my business background and working in Xerox, I had obviously no kind of fear or worry about the technology side of of business and sport or, or software. In fact, the complete opposite. I was kind of driven by wanting to, to, to have just as much data as possible about what was going on. So, you know, we, 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 we purchased, you know, the, the rugby union purchased some pretty sophisticated bits of software I started to use that really, really allowed me to track all the players whilst they were playing. And we got some you know, amazing data and seeing the game in a different way, which no one had ever done before. But I think the, the, the real secret right. was, if there's, no, if there's a secret, the real secret was really engaging the players and then that wasn't a lender by just, you know, downloading bucket loads of data on them. That's not what it's about. It was about sort of getting them to use the software and then to start to really think about the game. So it wasn't only myself and my fellow coaches, you know, really thinking about this game. We got the players to think about it. And I think that was a big, a big lesson for lots of sports teams, a lot, a lot of businesses. It hasn't just got to be the, the head coach or chief executive telling people what to do. You know, the, the real successful teams, you know, really work in collaboration. And, you know, you find if you give the players, you know, the scope to really contribute and think and listen and, and you listen to what they say, some of some pretty amazing thoughts come out from the actual team team itself. And, you know, we had, a, we had an incredibly talented team, but I like to think we had a very bright team. You know, people, they started to really study the game of rugby and what was going on with that within our team. And uh, the rest is history because at the end of the day, the players are on the pitch playing the game. You're not. And in rugby union, yeah. you you can't really influence the game as it's happening. You can certainly influence the game in terms of getting on new tactics, changing players and substitutions. But you need players on the field of play making decisions, and that's what coaching is all, all about. I think it's the same in business. And yeah. That's when I talked to businesses. Is what I talked about. I said, you know, how much are you really engaging in your staff? Or are you still just kind of stood at the front of the room telling people what to do? You know, uh, it, it strikes me that, you know, having them see that what, what you're talking about is you made them strategic partners uh, with the game because they were seeing the information, they were seeing the data, they were seeing it as a, as, as a full team. Do you think, uh, maybe an obvious question for you, but do you, do you think that that approach is what ultimately led to the brilliance of this team and the great success of the team? Um, all I can say is, we, you know, when we started, we'd never, ever been above six in the world, you know, and we were playing against some mm. pretty big teams, you know, I can't tell you how good the, the, the All Blacks, the New Zealand All Blacks are, South Africa, Australia, France, these are really good teams, who we've really never beaten, yeah. especially the teams from the Southern Hemisphere, but suddenly we, we had a very talented team, and they make no bones about that, we are a very gifted team of tennis players, but I, I just saw what they did behind the scenes, I saw how much they did actually study the game. And contribute in mm-hmm. meetings, and have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And I like to think that was kind of led by me. I really, you know, and this is all the stuff I learned from my business. Yeah, when I ran my small business, we were, you know, a small leasing company that had ten people. I mean, I was no different with those ten people than I was with my rugby team. I kind of learned to really yeah. kind of listen. I think when you run a small business, you do, you do generally listen to your team because it's just you in the room, and you are this. You know, <laughs> You either stay in business and do well, or you all kind of lose your houses and you go out of business. So you do listen a lot more when you're in a small company to what's going on. You do, and you really do listen. And you, don't, you don't waste time. And so I think, I think my business background, you know, despite the fact that I played for England and I played at the top level, so I'm a player as well as a coach. Um, my business background really, really helped my coaching because you know, I was used to listening yeah. to people. I was used to, 
I, I still knew I was there to lead and say yes or no, or you know, no, we're not doing that, or yes, we are doing that. You, know, you are the leader. But I think leader is about you know, collaborating with your teams and really listening to what's going on and then making decisions and not just telling people that's the way it is. And uh, I kind of learned, I learned that from business, and the players loved it. I think for the first time, I like to think with me, they they generally were engaged and they, they could you know, really put their views across about, you know, what, what was going on. And we had some pretty, you know, fiery meetings at times, you know, because we wanted to win. You know, it got, we got quite heated about what we needed to do and what was the right way. And that was that was something I thought was fantastic because it just showed passion, you know, which reflected in the team on the field of play. And we went on to have an amazing, amazing track record of success, culminating winning the World Cup in 2003. Yeah, that's really, and you know, it, it, it strikes me, you know, something that I always say, the prevailing leadership style, uh, whether we like it or not, and the default leadership style is a command and control leadership style. And when people use this more collaborative listening approach, they get so much greater uh, buy-in, they get so much better results, they, you know, people really do think more strategically about what they're doing, yet... You know, we don't always do it. Um, I want to ask you how, you know, you work for this small leasing company, 10 people. Um, I used to work for Cheat Capital, actually. Uh, we had a big leasing business, actually, as you probably know. But um, what differences did you see between working in this smaller organization where you say you all depended on each other versus working for a big company like Xerox? What did you see yeah. as, in terms of leadership style? Yeah, I, I look back now, and first of all, I love Xerox. Xerox was great. In those days, you know, when I see University Xerox, and this was sort of, you know, early, early 1980s when I joined Xerox. And it, was, it, was, yeah. it was a fantastic country. It was a great training company. You know, the, the, yeah. the training they put me through, not only the sales training, but the, especially the management and leadership training. But it was, it was, it was great. So it was, it was big. I think, I think the big difference, and I often talk about this, is, you know, the secret to running a big company um, it wasn't like a small company. In other words, you know, even in Xerox, it's a massive company, but most people working in teams of between eight and ten people. You've got to try and get in a system in those ten people. If this was your business, is this what you'd really do? And what I found, when you're yeah. in your own business, Love just, that. Just, again, just real simple stuff, you, you, you don't go to meetings that are a waste of time. When it's your business and it's your payroll, it's your money, you don't go to meetings that you shouldn't be at. You question everything. Why are we doing this? Why am I going to that meeting? What I'm doing here? You know, I look back to Xerox. There were so many meetings I went to, internal meetings, that were just completely bizarre. You know, just I didn't right. need to be there. And there were so many meetings that that I just need to need to be in. So you, you just learn that from a, from a small business that you, you just don't to do that. Um, the, the second thing, which I guess we've already already covered, you, you've, you've got to listen to everyone's point of view, and you, you've got to. So I manage upwards because it's so easy to think, well, we can't do that because we're not allowed to do that. But that's, that's nonsense. If it makes sense, you should be able to do it. And whoever's in charge yeah. of that team of people should have been given the autonomy to, to get on and do it, even if it goes outside the, their normal, normal parameters. It makes sense to do it. So the, the, the secret of you know, running small businesses, so big businesses, run like small businesses, if you can get that process in, in place. You know, and yeah, the, the other big thing... You know, it's interesting being with you in Dubai and the HR sort of conference there. I mean, I totally believe in HR. But when you're a small company, you know, it, re- it really is. You, it, everyone's just got to throw everything at it, you know, and don't get distracted by all these processes, you know. Yep. And, it, and it's and looking back now, you know, you think, crikey, 
I wish I knew now what I knew when I was working with Xerox because we, we were sometimes yeah. just bogged down <laughs> by the whole size organisation about what you can do and what you can't do. And uh, in a small do, company, yeah. that's why you know I love running a small company. It was just such fun, and just like sort of yeah, it is fun. Team, it's fun. Everyone gets involved, but you, you 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 don't get too kind of sidetracked by rules and regulations about what, what you can and can't do because there aren't any. The only rules are the laws of the land. That's right. You know, you got to well, make, you gotta we're make at break. business. We're we're, we're gonna. We're going to keep this going, Clive, but we're, we, we've come up on break. And just, just a quick uh, couple of quick comments I, I, we'll talk about when we come back about, you know, HR and where HR really needs to go and a few comments about Xerox. So stay with us. We're talking to Sir Clive Woodward, uh, renowned rugby coach, um, won the World Cup in 2003, BBC reporter, Coach par excellence for major corporations around the world. So stay with us. We're talking about with Clive. We're going to be talking about his coaching model, lessons learned in developing others. Um, And it's a great coaching model. I absolutely love it. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Higher education faces lots of changes. If you are a student, educator, or in the workforce, you'll want to tune into Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Your host, Dave Goldberg, and his guests will explore the innovations that higher education adopts as it reinvents itself. The world of higher education is constantly changing. Stay on top and stay ahead of the rest. Big Beacon Radio, transforming higher education. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag ILEADTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to ILEAD, The Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host, and I have with me today Sir Clive Woodward, and we're talking about leadership, business, coaching, and HR. And what what I loved about uh, what Clive said, you probably don't know this, but I went to school in Rochester, New York, and you know that that was the headquarters of Xerox. And um, so we did a lot of stuff 
with Xerox in my early career, and I remember the days when it was really an exemplar for teamwork, um, certainly throughout the United States as, as a place where, you know, this was the place to be, this was the place to work. I, I don't know what happened to the company after, you know, the years, because it, it kind of lost its luster, but it was an exciting, uh, it was an exciting place at, at that time anyway. It sounds like during the time when you were there. So, uh, Clive, let's talk a little bit more about um, how you go about approaching your coaching practice. And I'm talking well, about your business coaching practice. Um, I was, I mean, I think the other thing, um, my background, I did my degree at uh, Loughborough University, but I'm also a qualified teacher. I did a certificate in education. So, you know, I always see coaching is, is teaching, and I, and I think a, a lot of kind of coaches don't don't make it in the UK who, are, who have been great athletes and players, but they never really learn how to teach. And again, I think it's quite lucky mm. because I think teaching is something that is not just an instinctive thing. I think you can teach people how to teach. So, you know, I I, I went through the whole sort of teaching training process in 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 the UK, but I mean, my my, my whole process was very very simple. I just break down my subjects, which was in this case rugby. I ended up with kind of seven areas. I just broke it down to seven areas, you know, very simple words, attack, defense, and pressure, and all these sort of things. And we, we became, I think the secret of coaching is, is how you capture an ongoing knowledge and, and information or what I call know-how. And in the old days, I literally had seven boxes just full of stuff, full of all this information and knowledge. And we used to study it, you know, really study it about, you know, why things went well in training, why things went well in the game in these certain areas and how we can improve them. And, um, that, that was it, and it wasn't only my knowledge and know-how that went into all these boxes. We, I got everyone's, the players, all my other coaches. I was kind of what I call a sponge. I was just a complete sponge to new knowledge and learning. And, and I, I, I think you know my, my kind of favorite line is, is that the moment you stop learning as a coach or a player, you're going to come second. So you're always learning. You're always looking at new things, new ideas, new ways of doing things. But fundamental, you know, I just broke the game down to certain areas. And when I, when I, when I coach any anyone in business, we, we do exactly the same process. I just ask them to break down what they do into into clear, distinctive areas and I want to say to them and eyeball them and say, you know, is, there should be nothing you don't do won't go into one of these seven, with these areas, whether it's seven, ten, or whatever. And we're going to start to really, you know, start to actually capture what you do and really start to study it. And it was amazing how many people don't really do that in terms of studying what they do on an yeah. ongoing, ongoing basis. And then coaching becomes quite quite straightforward. How would we do these things better? And that's that's the whole basis of my coaching philosophy. You, you know what I love the, uh, about your approach, in, and I wanted to ask you how you applied this um, to um, sports as well, but it's a very positivist approach. It's not, you know, um, deficit, meaning you don't rip people down. You say, write down what you're doing. How can you make it better? How can you, you know, improve, go forward? What can you learn from this? That's very different. And I had uh, Jason Carthen. I don't, you, you may or may not know him. He's a, a football um, player here in the United States I, for the Boston Patriots and, you know, won Super Bowls and all that stuff. And he, one of the stories he told is about how this particular coach just constantly ripped the players down, constantly. Um, and that was his coaching methodology. And it doesn't sound like you do that at all. Can you make any analogies between those two? What are your thoughts around that? 
Yeah, I, I, I think there's, there's, if some of my players were listening in, I'd be laughing and shaking their heads. Um, I think, I think what I described to you, yeah, we're, we're absolutely about that in terms of engaging with players, capturing knowledge, studying, all that sort of stuff. There are times where, in, in the UK, we call it chuck, chucking the teacups at the wall. You've got to throw the teacups in the changing room. And every now and then, there's nothing wrong with losing it, and you've got to scream and shout and stamp your feet. But you've got to do it to make a big point. If you do it all the time, it completely loses all. It's, it's a carrot and a stick. You know, I, I, yeah. I just believe in the carrot. I just believe in lots of carrots. Every now and then, with certain players, certain individuals, certain moments in time with the whole team, you've got to use the stick. So there's, there's no right or wrong about this. It depends on your personality. I, I prefer the carrot. When I say carrot, I, I, want, I want them really contributing to what's going on. I want their thoughts, their knowledge, their know-how, and everyone inputting into this because... I, I just believe you know you, you come you, you become a better player if you're really studying what you're actually doing, and that you know I think that's in any and sport. I think what I saw, especially with my role in the Olympic team. I mean, the Team GB had amazing success in London with 29 gold medals. Almost without exception, the people win gold medals. The, the actual knowledge of what they do, these athletes, and why they do it, and how they do it, is incredible. That they're not just gifted, talented people. Business is no different. But, you know, you, you're You've got this gift, you've got this talent, but you've got to leverage it, and you've got to study, and you've got to learn, and that's what I do. That's the coaching process. I, I just really, uh, and I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I'm just saying what I what I do, and it, and it, and it seems seems to work. And I, I don't see any difference in business or sport. And it's kind of leadership because I think that the players like it, that the players know they're improving, and and you kind of really do everything to make that player a better player, and the team a better player. But you've got to engage with them, and and uh, but every now and then you do have to use the stick, and you've got to scream and shout. And, yeah, well, you know, there's nothing wrong, but when it becomes a prevailing style, which is what uh, uh, Jason was work. talking about, then then yeah. that, that, that's so enervating. It really is. It really brings no, people down, I think. Do I, would, I would completely rebel if anyone, every every time you someone used to use and lose it, it just get boring in the end and then you fail. So, you know, so right. It's, you, you're right. It, it's not a style that can work anymore. I really don't believe that. I don't think it is either, but and you know, particularly with the millennials. Uh, but uh, you know, you talked about HR needs, and you talked about you know, yes, you and I were both talking at an HR conference, and you know, thinking about the next wave of HR. And you, you said something very interesting a few minutes ago. Many things actually, but um, that in your small business, you started taking care of. You know, you didn't have an HR leader. You know, you. you folks took care of the HR issues and you worked together around whatever people needs there was and didn't put constraining processes in. Um, There's a big debate about the value of HR these days. And many people, and I guess I fall into that category that says, really the role of HR, as Jack Welsh would say, is really the manager and the leader. That's his responsibility or her responsibility. What, What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, it's funny, I meet a lot of, in, in, in the work I do now, um, I meet a lot of HR people. I think one of the issues with HR is the actual term HR. Um, and, I, and I think yeah. HR, the HR world got a look at that. There's um, a brilliant lady who, who works for uh, Sky over here. I mean, she's, she, she, she's changed the title. She, her, her, on her business card, it's Director of People. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's, uh, I, and I, I think the term HR is too... It's, it's got a sort of a, a soft underbelly. Some of the best HR people that I see have 
come from the real sales side, you know, and their job is really training, getting the best out of the individuals and training. Right. It's, 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 and, and it's, you know, these, these are the, they're promoting their top, top salespeople, their top managers into the HR functions because they know the HR function can improve every individual. And I, 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 right. think, I, totally, I totally believe in HR, but I totally believe in it as long as it's about what I call continuous improvement. You are, you are there to absolutely make sure every individual, every team continues to improve. And, and you're, you're not there just to police or process or, you know, dot I's and cross T's. You're, you're there to deliver results. And I, I think the, right. you know, and it's interesting, you know, I, I, I really smiled when I saw this lady's business card, director of people. And I thought that's amazing, and I've shown that to quite a few people now uh, in the HR world, and they go, I love that. You know, that's a far nicer, better yep. title than director of HR, you know, because no one quite understands it. Where you're the people director, you're there to get continuous improvement on every single person. And, and you think of what I've right. described to you, Linda, about being my coach, the coach. That's what my job is. You know, my, my, my job yeah. as a coach is to get continuous improvement from every individual in the team and the team. And if you do that, there's a real good chance you're going to win. If you don't, there's a good chance you won't. And it is about winning. So, That's exactly right. You know, it, it, it's continuous improvement, I think, is a great, a great term. And how do you do that? Because if you're going to be successful individually or collectively, everybody's got to put their foot on the sort of go and say, yeah, we're going to continually improve. How are we going to do that? So the HR world can really, really help there. But, you know, I see, I see the successful companies really employing their, their real superstars into this HR world, not seeing it as a kind of a wall. Cranky, I don't want to go into HR. It's too soft. It's right. Too, <laughs> I, I am. It I am. It shouldn't be that way. I am be, totally with you on it. Should be one of your key key roles in the business. Yeah. Oh, I I I agree with that. I I agree with that. I I made those points at the at the end of uh, kind of my my talk. Where, uh, but a uh, question for you, and we have about two minutes, uh, but before we have to break again, but. You started out with, you know, you're breaking down your job and then you had a series of steps that you took, you take your coaching clients through. Can you articulate that for the audience? I thought it was fascinating. You know, write a book. I said, you know, when you were you were talking about uh, your coaching practice and, you know, how you break down, you tell people, you ask people to break down uh, their job, you know, write a book. Blah blah yeah. blah. You had like steps that you took people through. Could you share that with us, uh, with the audience? How you how you do that? Yeah, I've, the I've questions kind of, that I've you kind of, ask. I've and... Kind of mentioned already because I, you know I, said I broke I broke the the game of rugby down into seven areas. For example, but if I'm coaching anybody, the, the, the analogy I use is people kind of seem to get is just imagine going to write a book about what you're doing. So just imagine you write a book, mm. put your pitch on the front cover, put your job title. It's all very, very nice, but the most important page is when you open the front page of your book or you cover what's your contents, what are your chapter headings. In other words, if you're going to write a book about what you do in your job, what would your chapters be? Which is quite difficult to do, you know, and you have to... I, I would imagine. It is, and you, but the good thing about it, you can keep changing it because you, you kind of, it's your book, you put it in your language, you can have two people doing the same job, one person may have 10 chapters, the other person may have 20 chapters. It doesn't matter as long as, you know, anything you do in your job will go somewhere in those chapters. You start to capture knowledge and, and, know, and know-how. And this is what I've been doing at the moment. I've, I've built a whole software tool around this called Captured. If you, if you go into Captured HQ, you're going to see and do that process. And, you know, on your iPhone, your iPad, or your computer, you can now have your own book. But your contents now is 
anything. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a YouTube clip. It's why you want to do a lost deal word, PowerPoint, voice, diagram. You just keep everything, and you become a real kind of sponge by keeping every bit of information and knowledge and then studying it and trying to find ways of improving. And it's as, it's as fundamental as that, but it's understanding you just can't keep all this in your head. You know, if, if anyone yeah. ever comes to a meeting with me, and they're not taking notes. I, I just not a serious meeting. I, mean, I wouldn't talk to anyone. I've got a bit of paper in front of me. But then, when you, what you do with that bit of notes? Where do you put it in your book? How do you keep it? How do you never lose it? And how do you kind of leverage and study what, what's 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 in there? So I think the, the kind of thought process that you're just writing this book, but this book you're writing about your job will never end. It's always going to continue. You're always adding new thoughts, new ideas, and possibly sharing with the people that other people have a look at your book and go. But this is how I'm doing it currently. Is there any better ways of doing this? So you create your chapters, your sub-chapters, and you, you just capture knowledge, and that's, that's it. I love the, the notion that you had of, of share with friends, you know, and get their perspective on, on, on the book. Yeah. I mean, because, and we, how they, because we've created a software program now, you can generally just, you know, I can share my, any book with you, Linda, go, go into my chapter four page five on you know, marketing or phone techniques and have a look at what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. But when you go in there, you know, it, it is video, it's notes, it's diagrams. But you, let's say share, you share with people who, who may work with you, but share with people who, you, who, who are in other industries who you, you like and you trust and say, have a look at this, got any views? And you'd be amazed where new thoughts and ideas can come from. It, it's so simple yeah. sometimes to think you kind of know it all because you've been in the, the HR world all your life, or you've been coaching a rugby team all your life, it's so easy to get kind of lazy and, and not kind of leave yourself sort of a little bit open and, and transparent. Have a look at this. And I, I've often got, you know, I, I don't think I'm very, I know I'm not, I'm not very good at new ideas. What I think I am good at is actually um, sharing things with others. And when they come up with all these new ideas, I go, wow, that's a great idea. And then I think I'm quite good at making it happen and putting it in place. I'm not good at ideas, but you allow other people to come in and actually really help you and say, how else can we do this? Come on. And just try and spot talented people who you want to work with. But those talented people don't need to be in your room or your office or work with you. They can be just friends, neighbors who, who you think are, are, you know, can contribute to what you're actually doing. And it'd be amazing uh, where you get new thoughts and new, and new ideas that can actually come from. Yeah, that's what we're at break. Um Great discussion. Stay with us. We're talking to Sir Clive Woodward, um, great business coach, leader, um, BBC sports reporter, just a fantastic all-around guy. When we come back from break, we're going to be talking about his three C's, character, criteria, and coaching. But just, I think there's some tremendous insight from that. Um, stay with us. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, 
really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to one 866 472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag iLeadTLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, back to iLead, the leadership connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead the Leadership Connection, and I have with me today Sir Clive Woodward, uh, World Cup award-winning rugby coach, among many, many other things. Um, And we're talking about uh, coaching and his coaching model. And uh, and in fact, I'm I'm really going to use it. I, I would bet you, Clive, that it's very difficult for people to get started in writing their own book about what they do and lining out each chapter. How do you help them get through that? that really I, I would have a hard time to do it. I think the most important thing is you can keep changing it. And you just literally just get a bit of paper and start to say, okay, what, just, just kind of get a big bit of paper and just write down, what do I do? What is my job? And then you start writing all these sort of notes and kind of mind map. And then you start to just, just, you know, just move them all together and just try and come up with sort of yeah. 10, key, 10 key parts of what you actually do. But you're, you're right. It sounds easy, but it's very, very difficult. But because yeah. now it's kind of on a, on a bit of software, you can, you can change all the time. You can add new chapters, sub-chapters, and once you get it going, it becomes quite exciting. And or, or my only hint would be just put it in your language. Don't try and be flash about it. Just put it in dead, simple, the language you use every single day, you know, and that, then start to see how quickly it populates. Be amazed how quick your, yeah. your book will start to populate. And you look back in a few months' time and go, wow, I forgot I've done all that stuff. Yeah, I, I'd love yeah, to. I'm going to do that, actually. If, if, if I could have kept I, all my I, I knowledge as a rugby coach in, in, a, in a, an online fashion, it's all kind of, it's all these boxes in my head. It would have been great if we could have done it. It would be priceless if you could have, if you could do it. And you've got to, got to imagine in a few years' time, you'd have created this amazing knowledge pool, which is your own IP in many ways. Yeah, and then you can go back and reflect on it, which has got to be. And I love your, your you know, perfect and reflect is what you said, and I just think that's just such a a, a, a great point. You have software for people that people can buy and use for this, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's called Captured. If you go if you if you go onto the App Store, uh, look up. Captured oh, yeah, you HQ, said that. Good. You can download it on an app. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to definitely do that. So let's talk about. Um, you know, character, criteria, and coaching. And, and you talked about, you know, you had those pillars. Can can you kind of go through that 
you know, the, 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 the student, the teachability, the sponge, you know. Can you go through that model? I thought it was great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, um, I call it DNA of a champion. It's just a title I use. It's, it's, I just think that the DNA of a champion is uh, exactly the same whether you're a champion business person or a champion coach or a champion athlete. And there's four very simple things. First of all, you've got to have the talent, meaning you've got to have the, the skills to do the job. You, 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 you can't make someone what they're not. So you've got to have the talent, and, um, but that's got to be seen as a starting position, not the finishing position. Once you've got the talent, um, you, you move up to what I call a student, which is all about have you got the ability to uh, capture knowledge, and I call it teachability, you know, and really be a sponge in terms of studying what you actually do. And then the third part is you, you graduate to what I call a warrior, which is can you, can you perform and play under pressure? I think pressure is a great word. You know, if you're going to be a, a, a champion in business or sport, you've got to know how to perform you know, when, it's, when it's tough, when the pressure's on. That's something you can teach people. And the last, which is kind of the, the holy grail, you get to become a champion and you have all those other three things I just quickly described, but you've got to have the right attitude. And the definition of attitude is fundamentally just hard work. I mean, how hard you work. There's no, I've never seen anyone become a champion individual in sports or business unless, you know, they work very, very hard. So they're, they're the four key areas I've covered in about one minute, but there's a huge amount of detail that I, 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 I go into when I'm working with individuals or teams or companies to make sure we leverage those four, four, four areas. What I loved about what you said, though, is you use this criteria, um, you know, that you talk about as somebody, a rock or a sponge, you know, uh, do they have the right attitude? Um, you talked about how you use that in, in selecting talent and thinking about talent. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, the, 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 the rock and sponge is all about the teachability and your just ability to, you know, um, you're never always one thing or another. You know, you, you know, a sponge means you've got a sponge between your ears, not a rock between your ears. It means are you really engaging with what's going on or are you just a rock and you're just sitting there and don't want to actually engage in the team. So you, you, the secret is everyone. You need a, everyone to be a sponge within within your organization. Are you going to go out, find new things? You're going to contribute to everything that's going on. So that, that's that. And in terms of the thing about being attitude, um, uh, which is the hard work, but all, all I do is I, I break down attitude into uh, ten areas, and you know very clear definitions of what all these ten areas do. We've created sort of quite a sophisticated psychometric test to measure these. We don't actually need to use use that. I mean, one of my one of my big things under attitude is say punctuality. Um, I, I think punctuality probably says more about an individual and a team than probably anything I can think of. But you've got to define. What do you mean by punctuality? What does it really mean? So I have a you know, very detailed PDF on punctuality, and and I, I, me- I measure people. You know, how do you how do you measure? And if someone's at six out of ten, how do I get them to seven? So, so I break attitude down into ten areas. Punctuality is one of the ten. And when you all add up, if people are scoring very high in all those ten areas, I, I promise you they'll have the right attitude. And I think attitude's a great a great word. He or she it seems to go across most kind of languages and most cultures have they got the right attitude and yeah it doesn't matter how talented you are if you're not the right attitude to hard work you're not going to be successful yeah you know it's interesting um many companies and i would imagine i i know sports teams as well you know kind of have their stars you know who they look at as their top talent and you know um 
games have the you know the the, the big player that's kind of out there, uh, you know that saves the team and you know the the Brady's of the world to, to use a, a U.S. Um, sports figure. It's sounding more like, though, that you're working with the whole team to bring the whole team's capacity up and not just, you know, sort of the, the, that top talent perspective. What, am I getting that right? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is my, 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 my favorite lines is, you know, great teams made of great individuals. I think every single individual in your team has an important role to play. Every individual. Whoops. In, 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 in that in that team, and it, it's not just the you know the, the the real high achiever or the person at the top. It, it's 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 everybody, and you know arguably you 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 can get bigger leverage from the whole team by focusing on the middle kind of you know third, you know as well as the top third. But I, I just believe in every individual trying to get better. Just back to my continuous improvement. Every individual is going to get my time to make sure they are. Continually improving and developing part of the team, and I'd, and, and also the, the guys at the top, the superstars, the the, the people, the, you've got to be right on top of them as well. But the moment you think you can, well, I can leave that person alone, he or she is is fantastic. I think it's the opposite. I think you've really got to try and get even more out of your superstars, and I think they love it. They they love the attention. They, you know, I've seen so many people fail at times because they kind of leave these people alone. Or oh, I can't coach them, I can't teach them. I think that's a big error. They're the people you've got to really, yeah. really, really help, really, really teach, kind of get even worse, and also get them to really help the other people as well. Um, but, you know, right. great teams, but great individuals. Every individual is important, and it's not, uh, and it's how you coach and manage all those individuals. You know, I love uh, what, you're say, what you said about measuring people. I, I didn't hear that before. And, uh, you know, how do people take to, obviously you have, you know, that you're, you're your ten factors of attitude, and you have operational definitions, and clearly people understand what those are. Tell me about how you measure, which I personally um, think is very important. Yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of. I mean, me- measurement me- measurement can be just your own gut feeling. I just, I just certainly in sport, and I do believe the same in business. You, you can't coach what you can't measure. You know, I think measurement. You haven't got to go over the top, but even if it's just a subjective, you know, seven out of ten, how do we get to eight? You know, how do we measure that? The more detailed you can be in your measurement in terms of your data, um, I, I think the more you can actually work out then ways of improving practices to, 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 to improve that. So there's measurements every, everywhere, but I, I just believe in measuring everything. Um, but but it's, often it's not a case of passing those measurements down onto your team because they can get kind of confused by a lot of the stuff you may be doing as a leader. But as a leader of a team, I, I think, you know, you... you as I say, you can't manage, you can't coach what, what you can't measure. And there's, 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 there's measurement yeah. tools everywhere if you really think about it, how we are, how do we actually do this. Um, and I think people like to be shown where they are, where they're trying to get to. And people like a pat on the back or, you know, the, the, the other is not going well. No right, and they know when things are not going well. We all know when things are not going well and when we need a, we need a change. Uh, we're about 30 seconds coming up uh, on break, Clive, but tell me about teacup, and if we go a little over, that's fine. But I love that, the teacup. Teacup, T-cup, very kind of English word. Correct. Uh, teacup stands for thinking correctly under pressure, and it's the, you know, I mentioned pressure before, it's the way you coach pressure. And um, uh, I, I, I think you can make, no one's born with the pressure gene, it's pressure is something you can 
coach and teach people. So that's um, something I spend a huge amount of time doing to make sure whenever my team is in a pressure situation that we can um, think correctly and hopefully make the right decision when it all kind of happens. Yeah. And that's so important because it's easy under pressure to default back to sort of negative behaviors. And, and that's typically what happens, uh, you know, where you, you rise to a top occasion. So we're coming up on break. Please stay with us. Uh, we have a question in from uh, emailed in from somebody from our audience. And we're talking to Sir Clive Woodward. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Dr. Linda Sharkey promotes fact-based solutions for global organizations and leaders that are known to drive business success. Do you want to put the wow in your talent practices? How about a spring in your leadership approaches? Coaching and leadership development are proven methods that, if done right, really do make good leaders great. If you want a no-nonsense, practical approach that will enable you to compete anywhere in the world with measurable results, contact Linda today. Visit lindasharkey.com. Again, that's lindasharkey.com. Capital Thinking takes you inside the worlds of policy, politics, law, and business. What happens in government, the legal arena, and the business world impacts your business every day. And we're going to take you on a behind-the-scenes tour of it all. Each week, we'll bring you unfiltered conversation with a variety of influential policymakers and leaders. Squire Patton Boggs will be your guide as Capital Thinking tours the halls of power. Join us for Capital Thinking on the Voice America Business Channel each Thursday at noon Eastern and 9 a.m. Pacific Time. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are tuned in to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. To speak to Dr. Linda Sharkey or her guest, please call in to 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. Or you can tweet the show at hashtag I Lead TLC. We'd also love to hear from you by email. The email address is radio at lindasharkey.com. Now, Back to I Lead, the Leadership Connection. Welcome back. I'm Linda Sharkey, your host of I Lead, the Leadership Connection, and we're talking to Sir Clive Woodward, the uh, World Cup champion winner, uh, coach of the uh, English uh, team, um, rugby team. And we had an email come in. Uh, people knew you were going to be on the show today, and um, it's a young leader who wants to know what are the three pieces of advice that you have for him in this case that's really that he needs to focus on in order to become the great leader that you're talking about, the leader, which I would say, that has heart. Okay, well, there's, there's probably quite a few, but if I, if I kind of choose three, I think the, the, the number one thing... Um, 
Never assume that you're going to get the trust and respect of your team just because you're now in that leadership position. You know, you've got to earn that trust and respect about the quality of what you actually do. Um, You know, I can think of nothing better than if I hear my players on TV saying, well, you know, I trust him, I respect him. You don't get trust and respect just because you're now the chief executive or the leader or the the head coach, you, you only get that by the quality of your actions and what you do. And, and that is really trying to help every single individual. And that's, that's the number one thing. So, right, my, my job now is to really make sure every individual is going to be improved, which will help the whole team improve. That's my number one thing. The number one, two, the second thing, and I think I've touched on it in, in this interview, is, you know, being absolute uh, thirst and sponge for, for knowledge. Um, and always trying to find ways of capturing it, studying it. And, you, and you, you know, it'd be amazed how many people I speak to who can tell me, you know, what they do uh, in terms of what they do in their job or their business. Very few people can articulate with me very, very clearly why we do it that way. So I'd want to know everything. I break everything down. I want everyone to know why we do it that way. Why we do it that way? And never be afraid of of uh, um, trying new, new, new things. But it's, it's the what and the why. The, it's, it's the why we do things that way, and just don't do things that's where they've always done them. Um, and I, I think I think the, the, the third the third thing would be you never ever be afraid of, of bringing people from outside in, into your world to have a look at what you're doing. You know, just don't think it's all going to be secret, secret. I think you can be a lot more transparent than you can actually sometimes believe. And you know, if you find successful people who are mates, tell them to come and spend a day with you, have a look at what you're doing. And just always, always on the ways of finding edges and, and new things we're doing. And um, if there's a fourth thing, I've already, you know, whoever wins in technology tends to win. I've never seen a sport or business not that applied to. So you've got to make sure your whole team is really, really up to their skills in technology and not be scared of technology and not be scared of software and data and all these things. It's got to be part of your actual DNA. So there you go. Give me four points, not three. Four points, excellent, four excellent points. And, you know, as I'm summarizing in my own mind uh, this discussion, it really does articulate the leader for the 21st century. You know, the person who really has heart, who cares, who is into other people's development, who is open, who has transparency. These are uh, who measures, who gives effective feedback, uh, coaching and learning, less around quote-unquote, performance management feedback. These are the attributes of, I think they've always been the attributes, quite honestly, of a great leader. But I think these are the attributes that are going to be essential if we're going to be successful in the 21st century. So, Clive, thank you so much for being with me today. It's, it's just been a thrill to have you. And how do people get a hold of you if they want to talk more about your coaching model and your software, which is, I'm going to go on and download that app. It sounds very cool. Yeah, thanks. If you choose my website, it's the best place. My website is just www.clivewoodward.com, so that's easy. Um, and if you go on there, you'll, you'll, you'll find the, the, the software which allows you to write your book called, which is Captured HQ, or you just go into the App Store and download you know, the Captured HQ and you'll be down, down, download it and start using it. It's a free bit of software at the moment, so please just go in and use it. And, uh, I think you'll find it a big, big help in you know, just capturing your own knowledge and know-how, which is really vital to any, any individual.
Yeah, I think it's 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 wonderful, uh, a wonderful approach. So thank you again, Clive, for for uh, being with me today and being so generous and in, in agreeing to do this uh, radio show. And again, it's been a quite an honor on my part to be able to to have you. So thank you. Thanks, Linda. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you. So, so next week, I, I want to appreciate and thank all of my listeners. Um, you will see that we are going to be going into even more discussion in the shows to come around the future of work and <clears throat> the subtleties of things that people are going to need to think about in order to be successful uh, in, the, in the 21st century. PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, sponsor of the show, um, is going to be doing a Future of Work conference in, in Paris in uh, April, and I'm going to be interviewing some people from there, um, talking about the implications. And I loved what Clive said, Clive said about technology. We cannot ignore technology, nor can we ignore big data. And he was a groundbreaker in the early days of, of looking at, at uh, using technology and looking at data to, to track where his players were on the field, et cetera. And um, brilliant, brilliant stuff. So stay with us. We'll be on next week and uh, look forward to having you. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of I Lead, The Leadership Connection. Please join Dr. Linda Sharkey again for another show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a successful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.